Are you ready for the word? Hallelujah. What does the word say? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you this morning, God, for a fresh revelation, God, an inspiration, God, an infusion of knowledge and experience in our walk with you. In the holy name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen. God, the living God, is the best dad in the whole universe. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right, there we are. Click. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, open to Second uh, Peter, Peter's second letter, and chapter one. We are going through our series on who we are, and this morning we are going to look at uh, who we are. We are equipped. We are people who have been equipped for. Uh, how many know we're in a spiritual warfare? We're in a spiritual battle. You can see it playing out in this country with all the crazy stuff that's happening right now. People are upset about this, that, and the other thing. And everyone wants their rights. Uh, and everyone wants to be heard. And uh, people are going nuts. And I believe that there's spiritual warfare going on. And that's what's behind all this craziness. Hallelujah. Who we are. There's... Uh, very famous line in a very famous movie. The man in black and the Negro Montoya are sword fighting. And he says, who are you? And he tells him, I'm no one of consequence. Says, but I must know. Get used to disappointment, he tells him. How many know that's not how God talks to us? God doesn't say, uh, you know, don't worry about it. God wants us to know him. Can you say amen? So let's read in, uh, I'm going to have to turn around and read because I can't see that one without my glasses. And my glasses fog up too, so let's read. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I want to begin looking first of all that notice he calls himself a bond servant. When we are birthed into the kingdom of heaven, how many know that we've called to be servants? Somebody posted online uh, a gentleman who apparently was a, a football player in college and uh, he uh, gave the commencement speech at some college and he was explaining how the wisest man he ever knew was his dad, who had a third grade education, and it was a cook. And that was as far as he went with his education, formal education. But he's, one of the things he said as he closed his comments, he says, remember this, among other things, make sure your servant towel is big. Make sure your servant towel is big. Can you say amen? There's Simon Peter one of the guys, he tells Jesus, Jesus is going to wash their feet at the, uh, the last supper, the Passover. And Jesus says, no, 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 not just my feet. Wash all of me. And Jesus tells him, no, no, this is fine. But remember why I'm doing this. I'm doing this as an example for you. I didn't come to be served, Jesus says, but I came to serve others. 
And so Jesus tells us, and Peter's agreeing with Jesus, that's what we're called to be as servants. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And then he addresses the, a letter here to those who have obtained or received like precious faith. This is a very interesting uh, phrase here to me because, you know, this, this is the New King James Version, so it's kind of like New Old English. But he says, we have received in the Amplified and the New American and the NASB, the NIV, and the New Revised Standard. They use the word we have, have received. And notice that it's not we're going to receive it, but we have received already. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, we receive immediately and, up, and obtain and have in our possession the same precious faith or similar faith. In uh, the ESV, it says, we have obtained or received a faith of equal standing. Equal standing. Everyone who puts their trust and faith in Jesus is now made equal in the sight of God. There's no one better, no one worse. We're all in the same boat. Can you say amen? We all have the same status before God simply put in our faith and trust in Jesus as our Savior. Equal standing. The Amplified Version calls it equal privilege. Glory to God. Equal privilege. Think about that for a minute. We are privileged to have a relationship with the living God. The God who created heaven and earth simply by speaking a word. The God who said as he was creating stuff, that's good, that's good, that's good. Until he came to man and he said, oh, wait a minute, that's not good. He's alone. Why would God say that? That's not good. God created everything and he says, oh man, this is good, this is good, this is good. And he stops, wait a minute, that's not good. If you think about it, why did God create anything in the first place? Think about it. Why did God create humans? Why did God create the universe? God, I heard it put this way, has always been in community because, you know, nobody knows everything about God, but God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's three in one. God has a relationship with each of his different manifestations, if you want to call it that. So God, and because God's nature is love, he wants to share it. That's why he created us, so we can share his love. Unfortunately, you know the whole story. Things got messed up, but God provided a remedy. Jesus, our Savior. So God created us to have a relationship with him. And so now, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, as the Message Bible says, you whose experience with God is as life-changing as ours, we have this privilege now. Now, Peter, remember what Peter did. Jesus told him, tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, oh, I'll go to the death with you. And Jesus just says, okay, you'll see. Didn't say anything. And that night, three times he denies Jesus. And Jesus, as soon as the rooster crows, the Bible says in one of the Gospels, Jesus looks at Peter, and Peter looks at Jesus. And Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. He says, oh, I messed up. How many of you have ever messed up? 
Praise God. Everyone should raise their hand. We've all messed up at one time or another. One day I was uh, evangelizing. We were inviting people to a church service of some kind. <clears throat> and uh, I knock on the door and this little old lady comes out and she's, you know, going back and forth. And I said, well, you believe Jesus died for your sins? And <gasps> she got so upset. I'm not a sinner. And I didn't know how to proceed with the uh, conversation to gently say, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm trying to get you to understand what Jesus did for you. Yeah, so I learned a lesson that day. But, you know, Peter, he messed up big time. But God restored him. And he had a life-changing experience. How many know, when you're born again, you should have a different lifestyle after you receive Jesus. You shouldn't be the same person that you were before you received Jesus. Can you say amen? Galatians chapter 6, verse 15 says that we are new creations. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you get in Christ by getting Christ in you, you are a new creation. You're brand new. You're new. You should have a different outlook on life. You should have a different view of sin. You should have a different view of people. Can you say amen? amen. Equal standing, like precious faith. Equal value. How many know that salvation? The Bible calls it great salvation. How shall we be saved if we neglect such a great salvation? It's so valuable. Our faith in the NIV is as precious as anyone else's. Our faith is the same faith that Peter had. Our faith is the same faith that John, James, Mark, Luke, all those people, everyone who puts their trust and faith in Him, we get the same faith. Equal privilege with God. And how did we get it? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Message Bible says, through the intervention of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God that God intervened. Anybody? There's an episode on Seinfeld where they want to do an intervention for this friend of theirs that's on drugs, and it doesn't work out, of course, because it's Seinfeld. <laughs> but God intervened in yours and ours lives. Can you say amen? We were going one way, and God intervened. There I was, walking down the street, minding my own business, and a young man stops me and says, excuse me, has anyone ever told you God loves you? And I thought, God couldn't possibly love me. I've done a lot of stupid things already. But God intervened. Can you say amen? The Rames New Testament calls it the justice the righteousness, the justice of God. Somebody has to pay for sin. And that, thank God, was Jesus of Nazareth. God, the only Son of the living God. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, the ESV puts the word, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May grace. What's grace? Grace is God's favor. In the Strong's uh, exhaustive concordance, it says it's the divine influence upon the heart 
and its reflection in the life. God's grace. Does God's grace shining out of you? Or when people deal with you, do they want to not have anything to do with you? Praise God. I, I do not praise God. Unfortunately, there's been times when I've been like that where I can see people didn't want to have anything to do with me because of the way I was acting. Acting out of character. Where I needed and should always have God's grace working in our lives. Where we need God's influence on our hearts. It's another word for that is loving kindness. You notice in Romans chapter 1, verse 7, in most all of the letters in the New Testament, they always have grace and peace. And then Peter writes in here, may it be multiplied. How many know how great multiplication is? Multiplication is, I remember studying the uh, multiplication table in school and trying to figure out Oh, how can I memorize this? Oh, I got an idea. I'll do this, this, and this. When you multiply stuff, it can grow. What's that word? Exponentially. It'll just explode. We need an explosion of grace and peace in our lives. Can you say amen? We need an explosion of grace, God's favor, mercy, loving kindness in this country. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes and he says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. That's you and I. We're called to be saints. Grace and peace to you from God. Peace. In the Amplified it says, which is perfect well-being. All that's necessary. All necessary good. Spiritual prosperity Freedom from fear. And this is from the Webster's Dictionary. Peace. Freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. Anybody ever have a moral conflict? Do we do right or wrong? Should we do good or should we do best? How many know good enough is the enemy of best? God wants the best for you and I. Can you say amen? There's a song on... Pardon me, this thing is really <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> I think it's my whiskers are pushing it out or something up into my eyes. Anyway, there's a song I heard on the Christian radio station that says, Every choice is an act of war. We're in spiritual warfare, beloved, but we have the victory. Can you say amen? In Jude chapter, verse 3, he writes, he says, Beloved, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, our equal salvation, our equal precious faith. He says, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you or encouraging you to contend earnestly. To contend earnestly. Anybody ever see that movie uh, On the Waterfront with uh, Marlon Brando? He's a a tough guy working on uh, with the mafia and all that nonsense that goes on, organized crime and everything. And uh, he, he's, he actually is a boxer too, I believe, in the movie. He said, I could have been a contender, but now I'm washed up, kind of like. But he had to fight to become a contender. I looked that up one time, and it means to strain every nerve. Sometimes we have to 
really have some moral conflict. We really have to face some agitating passions in our lives because God has a certain direction He wants us to go. We have an enemy that wants to distract us. Can you say amen? But we need to try to contend for the like precious faith in Jude verse 3 which was once and for all delivered to the saints. This word faith in that particular uh, verse <coughs> means doctrine or behavior, speech, and thoughts. It's talking about knowing what God really expects of us and knowing what's right and what's wrong. Who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Hallelujah. And he asks, Paul writes, or Peter writes, and he asks, may this grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means you want to know God. In uh, John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus is quoted as saying, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hallelujah. To you, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, in Christ, in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. May it multiply. May it be a conduit. May grace and peace uh, go straight to your heart and soul and very being. Hallelujah. In the Message Bible it says, uh, may grace and peace be multiplied as you deepen in your experience with God. How many know that you can experience God? Sometimes you can even feel the presence of God. It's tangible. I wish we could live in, in the tangible presence of God every moment of the day. Wouldn't that be glorious? You could feel God around you all the time. And it would be nice if it could just rub off on other people. But it doesn't quite work that way. Most of the time you have to say stuff to people to get them to even think about God. Hallelujah. I work in construction and uh, some of the people I work with have no, <laughs> no thought of God at all. Everything out of their mouth is just unbelievable. <laughs> Praise God. But God wants us to have full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God. How do you get that? Good question. I'm glad you asked that. We, we have the mind of Christ. We read His Word. That's how you get to know God. Such knowledge, according to uh, Vine's dictionary, is the Greek word gnosko, where we get uh, the word recognized from. It indicates a relationship based on the value or importance of the other person. And it suggests approval from that other person, namely God. Such knowledge is obtained not by mere intellectual activity, but by the operation of the Holy Spirit as a consequence of accepting Christ. Smith Wigglesworth uh, is famous for saying, only believe. Just believe God. There's some awesome promises in the Bible. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. And so we ask and we think, well, pff, nothing happened. 
We don't know. The answer's on the way. You never know. Maybe sometimes we don't ask correctly. But only believe. Abraham, our father in the faith, in Romans chapter 4, verses 20 through 21, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How did he get strengthened in faith? What does it mean he gave glory to God? Well, for one thing, God told him, I'm going to change your name from exalted uh, whatever to father of many um, nations and a multitude. And I know you don't have no kids right now, but you start telling people, that's my name. That's who I am. I'm the father of many nations. You tell other people, you tell people, they'll probably laugh at you. Tell them, I'm a saint. And they'll say, oh, yeah, right. But that's the truth. The Bible says we're called to be saints. Say it with me. I am a saint. I am a saint. God has made me a saint. Oh, you don't know everything about me. Well, God does, and God has called you and I to be saints. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Three times in the Bible it says these words. And when God says something three times in the Word of God, it's important. Pay attention. All the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 21. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you say his name. Chapter 2, verse 14. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And on one of these days, we're going to do a study on what is the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. There's a whole lot in there that we need to explore. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The second scripture we want to look at <coughs> is chapter 1 of Peter's second letter, verses 3 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Oop, just a second. Go back. In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge or through knowing Him who called us by glory, and that would be His glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Through these promises, you and I may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption or the defilement that is in the world through desires, evil desires. This lust and desire is not always evil. Evil lust and evil desire is what is being talked about here. But let's begin here. His divine power has given us all things. Notice it has been given to us that pertain to life and godliness. Glory to God. Everything that we need has already been given to us through these promises. To please God, <clears throat> He's already gave us everything we need. It's up to us to get to know Him personally and intimately. So how do you get to know God? Isn't God like far away and mysterious? No. In uh, Acts it says these words. Paul is in uh, Corinth, 
And he's there on Mar or Athens on Mars Hill. And he says, I perceive that you people are very religious because I found one of your statues here to the unknown God. He says, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world. I was watching a show on the PBS station the other day, uh, David Yetman in the Americas. Somewhere down in Mexico, they have this ritual every year. They get this big, long tower, and uh, they have people climb up, and they got ropes, and they tie the ropes on them, and then they spin. And as they spin, the ropes get longer and longer. And as part of their, I don't know what celebration, it's their tradition and everything, and they mixed it up with Christianity. And they're interviewing this older guy. He says, oh, yeah, and the elders, uh, some people, they worship God as God, and, and some of these people, they worship the sun as God. How many know the Son is not God? <laughs> Can you say amen? God, who made in the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. In other words, you can't build stuff or make anything for God, but you can lift up holy hands and worship him. Can you say amen? He gives life to all, breath and every living thing. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. In God's eyes, there's no difference between any human being. Every human being is the same in God's eyes. doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. God sees on the inside. And the reason God did all this is so that they should seek the Lord in the hope they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. And it's because of all this, God wants us to seek after him. Because he says, if you seek for me with all of your heart, all of your strength, and all of your mind, you will find me. He's not far from us. Can you say amen? All right. Uh-oh, I lost my place. <laughs> Just a moment here. <clears throat> Excuse me. His divine power has given us everything we need. We get to know him personally. We get to know him seeking him in prayer and reading the word. Hallelujah. Notice that it says right here, Him who called us. In Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary on the New Testament, they say that this lit actually should say, is calling us. God is calling those of us who believe to get closer to him, but God is also calling those who are far off to come to him. And they, he calls us, or is calling us, by his own glory and excellence, goodness, his power, his virtue, and his moral excellency. Remember, the definition of peace is freedom from moral conflicts. Thank you, Jesus. Through Where are we? Through his power, his glory and virtue have been given us these exceedingly great and precious promises. These are very great promises. Here's one of the promises of God. 
John's first letter, chapter 3, verse 2, says when we see Him, we shall be like Him. When we see Him, we shall be like Him. We shall be changed. The Bible promises that our mortal bodies, our, our, our physical flesh will be transformed into immortal bodies. Can you say amen? No more sickness. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more arthritis. None of that stuff. No cancer. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? We shall be like Him. We are members in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. Hallelujah. Through these, we put our faith in these promises given that we shall have a resurrected body, that we shall have power, that we can live clean for God. Through these promises, we become partakers or participants of the divine nature. That is, we become holy. When we received Jesus as our Savior, He made each and every one of us holy. Just the same equal holiness that God Himself has. Can you say amen? Isn't that amazing? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, how much more, he's talking about the uh, sacrifices in the old law of the uh, bulls and goats. By the way, I read the other day about Hezekiah the king. He uh, reestablished the temple. Uh, they, they missed the uh, <laughs> Passover in the first month. So he said, okay, well, let's have it in the second month. And they brought together everybody. He donated, what was it, 9,000 bulls. 9,000 bulls for the sacrifice for all the people. Hallelujah. How much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You're having spiritual problems? Call on Jesus. Call on the blood of Jesus. Ask God. God help me <coughs> to escape. Glory to God. It's the blood that sets us free. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28, verse 17 through 20 is the Great Commission. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. This word means they stood at a crossroad. They weren't sure they are going to continue following Jesus or not. There was over 600 eyewitnesses there, but only 120 on the day of Pentecost. Some fell away. Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Teaching them all things. Napoleon Bonaparte, as telling Kathy, I read something the other day about him. He claimed that his purpose in life was to conquer. That's what kept him going. Conquer. He tried to conquer all of Europe. He tried to conquer. They almost did too. It was only in 1812 that he was defeated. Not that long ago. But one of the things Napoleon did is he studied great leaders. And he's quoted as saying, there's nobody, nobody that has ever lived like Jesus of Nazareth. His teachings are totally different from everybody else. Jesus of Nazareth was something else. Oswald Chambers in his book, The Highest Good, says, remember that a disciple is committed to much more than belief in Jesus. 
he or she is committed to the Lord's view of the world, of humanity, of God, and of sin. How many believe, or how many know that Jesus is committed to us? Can you say amen? We should be committed to him, to his view of the world, his view of people, his view of God, and his view of sin. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, or verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can you say amen? Glory to God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ's gift of himself is immeasurable, in my opinion. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God did not have to save us. Can you say amen? He didn't. He could have let us go by ourselves into the destruction we were headed into, but he had mercy on us. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, this is the whole purpose of man. The will of God is your sanctification. What does it mean to be sanctified? Simply means to be set apart for service to God. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says we will receive power. We've got the power. We've got the power of the merciful God. Glory to God. In Romans chapter 5, it says these words, verse 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Notice that especially the love of God, this specifically means the love of God towards us. If you and I could fully comprehend how much God loves us, that should motivate us to love other people. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? God is so good. Can you say amen? He's so good to us. And we'll end here with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. He Himself gave some to be apostles. Jesus, God some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, how many know that you can't get taught, you can't get preached to <clears throat> without finding a church? There's people, and I've met some of them, you've probably met them, oh, I don't like organized religion. I'm a lone ranger for Jesus. Okay, well, you go out there and uh, see how many people you can win to Jesus with your lone ranger attitude. And uh, how, how are you going to help build the kingdom of heaven like that? Many know we also have armor. Have been given armor. The helmet of salvation. The shield of faith. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. The gospel feet boots or whatever you want to call them, the gospel of peace. We can have peace with God through Jesus and the sword of the Spirit with which we can defeat and do war against the enemy of our souls. 
we are equipped for the work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? Trying to get people saved, put their faith and trust in Jesus. Once they do that, help them go on and live for God. Help them answer questions. When I first got saved, I had a lot of questions, and my poor pastor, he said, um, listen, I don't have all the answers. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that answers a lot. <laughs> Nobody has all the answers. Can you say amen? <clears throat> but it's up to us to seek knowledge uh, and seek uh, knowing God better and better. Amen and amen.